Hello, ghostly listeners. You've got Jake here, and I'm with my co-ghostess, with the mostess, June Nixon. Hi, everyone. So how you doing, June? I am just doing peachy as ever. Oh, good, because I'm very excited about today's episode. You know why? I wonder why. We're going to talk about a haunt no one's investigated before. Yeah, that's always amazing. And that building is the Georgetown Inn in the neighborhood Georgetown on the south side of Seattle. Yes. And what's really interesting about this place is a bit of its history. So if you're not familiar with Georgetown, Georgetown is one of the original neighborhoods in Seattle. And for a long time, it wasn't even part of Seattle. I think it was incorporated. Oh, it had to be after 1890. Right. Um, it was staying out of the city for the longest time. And then, of course, they did a vote and then it was absorbed in. But it was notorious. It's a very big industrial area. And it really came up between about 1890 and 1916. And that was driven by some of our favorite things. Beer. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and it was the Seattle uh, Malting and Brewing Company. Mm-hmm. That brought a lot of people to the community, and and the Georgetown Inn is in that area. Now, while it has a long history, not much has been on the site itself. And I will say, I'll put a link to the Ghost Hunt Report. We have a very in-depth, in-depth history of the property and its immediate area. But in a nutshell, the current owners, who whom June will talk about in a few minutes here, uh, they had the hotel built and they've been there since 1992. Now, the hotel itself is at 6100 Corson Avenue South, and that's about Michigan, Bailey, Corson area, uh, if you know, if you're familiar with Seattle. But it originally, we don't really know what it was before 1922. If I had to guess it, we're just guessing here, right? Uh, it might have just been residences. Uh, or, or something like that. Um, but in 1922, there was a Shell gate gas station put there. And we don't know who owns it at that time. So we're doing some archival research. We have two researchers, Rachel Brevik and Melissa Becker, who will be going to the Seattle archives to get the, the scoop on it before 1922. Um, and then in the 40s, we're not exactly sure when in the 40s, a gentleman by the name of Georges Pousselet Uh, owned it. It's still a gas station, don't get me wrong. And in 1957, he sold it. And it went to Time Oil, who still, it was still a gas station. So this whole place has been a gas station for a very, 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 very very long time. Um, From about 1959, we knew there was a radiator shop, shop there, but we really don't know what was going on with the area until about 1992. And now that's the specific plot of the Georgetown. You're like, you're not giving me anything ghostly. Why should I care? (laughs) You know, it's a hotel. Maybe someone died. Suicide, blah, 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 blah. But here's the interesting thing. It's what was across the street from it. And it was a tuberculosis hospital. Right. <laughs> the King County Tuberculosis Hospital was there across the street from 1928 to 1947. Uh, it was called Morningside. But was even more important was 
And you're right, tuberculosis, right? People are dying left and right. But from 1909 up until it became the hospital, it was a pest house. And that's lingo for that's the dumping ground for all the people with highly infectious diseases. Yeah, that's really <laughs> yeah. That's a little scary. So let's just say if you were, say, a spirit at one of these hospitals and you see a nice little hotel with nice rooms and bed, would you be interested in going over? And yeah. the thing is, we don't really know if, if where the Georgetown Inn was also part of the property or not. Right. So that's just some of the background on why but, the Georgetown. But, I mean, do you really think that ghosts have boundary walls? Uh, no. I mean, I, I'm just kind of thinking about that. It's like, is it really, you know, they say, well, that's probably wasn't on the property. So they probably aren't going to haunt that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I don't know. You know, they see it across the street. Yeah. They're like, hmm, well, but the whole I'm thing check is, that out. yeah, the whole thing is we don't, well, I mean, no one knows what ghost sees, what a ghost That's sees, right. right? And if that area was actually part of the larger compound, because with tuberculosis, you want people to get out and get fresh air and sunlight. Yeah, exactly. Uh, if we don't know if it was like, say, a part, we just don't know what was there until that gas station started up in 1922, which would have been... You know, before the tuberculosis hospital, but it would have been there for the pest house. Yeah, true. So we, yeah, so this is why we have to go back to the King County archives to see really what was there at the yes. time. Now, I, I guess I'll hand it over to you, June, because you interviewed the client and got yes. some more scoop about well, the property. It was really fascinating. Um, the couple that owns it, it's actually her family that has owned it since 19, in the early 1990s. So um, they've had it this, that, this whole complete time. Um, and the couple now um, are actually um, <clears throat> kind of They've renovated it and, you know, we even brought it, brought it more up to date and everything. So um, that's kind of what's going on now is, is they're kind of uh, taking it over. And since it's been quarantined, since it's the quarantine time, they've you know had a lot of time to kind of make a little adjustments here and there and, and uh, make it um, even nicer. It's really a nice, cute little hotel. That's mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah, it's got about 52 rooms. But yes, um, <clears throat> some of the things about it, um, I was just going to say, should we talk about the ghostly things in the lobby first? I, was that the biggest thing? Um, yeah, that was that was the main thing they brought up. Now, foreshadowing here, folks, when we investigated later in the evening, we got some interesting results, which the clients didn't know about. Right, right. But you're right. It was the it was mainly the lobby and the second floor. Correct. So that was what they had experienced. Now, now that's not saying that a lot of other things couldn't have happened, but they just kind of brushed it off as mm -hmm. outside noise, things like that. So, um, you know, I think a lot of things, you know, they they said that, you know, sometimes they thought they heard footsteps, they thought they heard these things, but they said, oh, it must be from outside. And so they kind of brushed these things off. Mm-hmm. But the biggest thing was at three o'clock in the morning one night, all of a sudden the dog started, you know, going a little crazy, like they, like it, like he wanted outside, basically. And when they took him downstairs, that's when they heard this music, 
And it wasn't just any kind of music. It was like a soft ragtime kind of music. Mm-hmm. Piano. And, yeah, piano-y exactly. Piano. They couldn't figure out where it was coming from. So, um, I mean, they were looking everywhere. They couldn't find a source for this at all. And the dog um, didn't really want to go outside, but must have heard this music and was like, let's go down and check this out because, you know, something weird's going on. So, um, so I think they said it lasted for quite a little while. Um, I was trying to see how long that lasted. Was at least about five to ten minutes. I think more than that, actually. Yeah, because they were trying to find out where the music was coming from. Um, So they could never find it out. And then it kind of freaked them out so much that they ran back upstairs and barricaded themselves in the room because they thought maybe an intruder had come in with a radio. (laughs) (laughs) Playing some music, playing some tunes. Mm -hmm. Um, Um, But we're just like, who's going to listen to that kind of music nowadays? Yeah, you know, even if it was, you know, they thought, well, maybe it was a car outside that had it turned up really loud, but it sounded like it was coming from the inside. And they Mm -hmm. were like, well, why would they be blasting, you know, old ragtime music? Mm Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's a, that's a really, you know, because both of them heard it. And, the, of course, the dog heard it, too. Yeah. Um, and um, so, you know, they never were able to find out where that, where the sound came from at all, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, did kind of make them, you know, think maybe there's something else going on in here that we don't know about. Yeah. And, you know, one thing I did start thinking about is the old... Um, Filling stations, the old gas stations. I mean, you know, what kind of music did they play back in the 1920s? Did they play music over loudspeakers? Because this was like a full service yeah. gas station. Did they make it want your stay to be pleasant while they were filling up your tank? And did they play this old music? Yeah. You know? it, and then the other thing I'm thinking is what was playing at the hospital? Yeah, that's another thing. It's the calming people, you know. Mm-hmm. And especially if this was before the 1920s, that would even make more sense if it was like old ragtime music. Because yeah. mm-hmm. the past house. Old rag. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, they had to have some, folks had to have some joy. I mean, everyone had smallpox and diphtheria that <laughs> were at right. this past house. So. so do you think something like this, Jake, would be like a slip in time? Um, or do you think it was just a residual? Well, you know, if... It were residual, it it would make me think it happens more often. Yeah, that's right. Because this is the first time that's ever happened, and it hasn't happened since. Yeah. And, you know, it could be a time slip. I'm just trying to think that night, did we really have any sort of environmental factors that could trigger it? Right. You know? Um because we'd have to go back to the specific date and look at mm-hmm. moons, geomagnetic, yes. the, you know, and I'm thinking if something triggered it, it would require a lot of ambient electromagnetic energy to be present. And, you know, this is all theoretical, right? Because when we did the walkthrough, of course, we did baseline readings. And in the lobby, especially at the desk, they had some crazy, crazy EMF readings. Right. And that's due to... Uh, mainly Wi-Fi routers and some power switches. And there was an espresso machine that was pumping out the EMF, but it was a lot mm. like it, even though it radiated or there was a range, right. And it would fluctuate between it. It wasn't uncommon to get 50 plus EMF oh, wow. readings hmm. um, and they, they would be sustained. Hmm. So there's that. Um, Correct. 
But we really don't know if this would be residual or a time slip. Like I said, though, I it might be a temporal anomaly simply because if it were residual, they'd probably hear it more often. And maybe they do. It's just three in the morning. Yeah, it's quiet. you never know. Because like I said, the only reason they came downstairs because they thought the dog wanted to go to the bathroom and they were going to let the dog out. Mm-hmm. And the, the clients live on, I think, the second floor. Right, right. So, so they and this probably, is just during the quarantine that they're getting things done in the in yeah. the hotel. Mm-hmm. So something could very well be happening, and it could be very soft, and they just don't hear it. You never know. Yeah, That's, but that is interesting. They did report some stuff on the second floor as well. Cool. In um, the hallway. Well, I know that um, somebody had passed away. Mm-hmm. About three years ago, they had somebody come in and, and actually die of natural causes in one of the rooms. I think that was the second floor. I was trying to see if that yeah, was one. it was the second. Definitely, definitely, they don't really yeah. use the third floor as much. But exactly. Yeah, I don't. I forget which room it was on the second floor. So, I mean, you know, and who knows how many other people have, you know. Correct. Really passed away or. Mm-hmm. And there's a busy intersection, so we don't know if anyone's been hit and killed. And, of course, you got the pest house. Yeah, and the plane crash that uh, happened, um, I don't know how many years ago. It was in the 50s, I think. No, 40s. I think it was in the 40s. The uh, bad plane crash, not too far away from that area, too. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I'm ruffling through papers if you're hearing this uh, noise here. She took glorious notes. Yes, all my notes. I'm trying to think. And um, what were some of the things that happened on the second floor? I can't seem to see that. Oh, so with the second floor, um, they had heard some sounds before, like voices and Mm -hmm. footstep type events. They saw some uh, visual anomalies, which when we saw them, we pretty much debunked as being, you know, dust and stuff. Um, Right. The kind of orb things but the thing that's interesting is the voices and the footsteps um their office is room 226 which we we can get to a little in in a little bit i was gonna say if you want i can take from our walkthrough when we're doing evidence i mean baseline readings because we got some anomalies that kind of hooked us to go back and check things out later in the night Right. That'd be awesome. Yeah. So with that, while we, and this is mainly on the third floor. So while we're going through and um, doing our investigation and everything, doing the baseline readings, I was on the third floor specifically outside of room 323. And I got some crazy EMF readings and it was the only spot that, you know, just walking down the hall, there was something kind of odd happening Hmm. so we asked to go in the rooms and so along the beds where the headboards are and pillows in the middle of them we were getting high emf readings so of course i'm like okay maybe there's something going on with the wiring in the walls and in a few rooms it was consistent that there was an emf anomaly and this is on the third floor, so this would be rooms like 324, 323, 322. So we went down to the second floor to see, you know, because I'm thinking if it's power going through the building, it would be throughout the building along the mm-hmm. same support columns or whatever they do. I'm not an electrician. I don't know how this stuff works. Right. But we went down to the matching rooms on the second floor, so 223, 224, 225, stuff like that. 
and they didn't have them. It was just upstairs in 326, 324, 323, 322. And it was not in the room across the hall. So that kind of, you know, check the mark, go check on things later. Um, but overall, the the Georgetown Inn uh, did not have crazy EMF readings. Like wherever you have a Wi-Fi router, you're going to have a spike. Right. Some of the exit signs were high, but that's kind of normal stuff that you would get like 15 milligauss. Mm-hmm. Um, routers can pump out a lot of EMF. And then with some of the uh, infrared cameras, because for security, you know, they would give off a bit of a a higher EMF result. But like when you're in the rooms, things were fine. Things were fine. Right. And then we, while June was downstairs with Ross to interview the clients some more, Tammy Lynn and I went upstairs to 226 to start like a mini investigation. Right. So is there anything that really stood out, though, in your interview with the clients? Um, You know, there really wasn't a lot because a lot of things that, um, you know, they said had happened to them, they pretty much thought it was nothing. They brushed it off. Um, So, you know, I mean, I think that that's basically, you know, what uh, was going on was that the music was the biggest thing. Mm Mm-hmm. And then, you know, them hearing footsteps every once in a while and seeing some things. and uh, um, But a lot of times they would brush this off as not being anything. So that's kind of the biggest things that, uh, you know, stood out. Okay. And then, so I, I forget what time of night it was. It's, it's in the report. So I'll drop the link so you can check it out. But Tammy Lynn and I started off in room 226. And we pretty much got some activity right away. So uh, if you go to the ghost hunt report on ghostly activities, you'll see the videos and you can hear some of the sounds. Mm -hmm. And it sounded like something was brushing the curtain behind me. Now, when I, um, when you hear the video, it actually sounds like uh, a winged insect insect flew in front of the microphone, but there, there was no, insect in there we had the place was pumped with infrared so Mm -hmm. you know it would have picked up the bug flying by definitely Uh, yeah Mm -hmm. and then tammy tried to replicate it and she did like by thumping the curtain and the rod was moving as well when that happened now you could say maybe it's the wind it's just it was right underneath the air conditioning heating unit and it definitely wasn't on Mm-hmm. So we don't know what's making thump and the rod is moving. Next, we heard a couple of footsteps above us in room th- 326. And at first, I wasn't really going to do anything about it. But Tammy Lynn suggested we go upstairs and try to replicate it. So I went and got a key and then went upstairs to try to replicate it. And, you know, it took some moving around and stuff, um, but we were able to get that that footstep sound. So, you know, I'm a grown human here. So (laughs) in order to get that kind of popping and stepping pattern, you'd have to have something like that. So then we shifted gears and moved up to room 326. And again, we got some interesting sounds. Um, But I think the big thing was 
something tapped me on the shoulder while I was sitting yeah. on the, the unit, which when you think about it, <laughs> humans shouldn't be sitting on the unit. I could see that as a, hey, what are you doing here, buddy? But right. You need to that, get off of that, That's speculation, <laughs> right? And then I still sat there like a DF. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and we were getting, whenever Tammy Lynn was asking questions about us leaving or if they wanted to sit on the couch, her mel or sorry, her EMF meter would trigger. Um, and that's a similar response I got on the USS Turner Joy actually uh, on my mel meter when I was mm-hmm. asking if a spirit wanted to sit with us or wanted to talk about its family. Let's see. Um, and I've got videos of this. So with I had an Eddie Plus going too, and we had some anomalies. The timing on it doesn't quite match up. But the weird thing is with the Eddie Plus, the anomalies that it did record didn't trigger the alerts. Because hmm. normally you get flashing lights and stuff. And right. I mainly got vibrational um, anomalies. So like the geophone, it's just the geophone didn't trigger. Um, but it's definitely in the it's definitely in the graph. So if you see the data visualizations, you can see uh, the vibrational changes and stuff. Now I thought I got a direct voice phenomena of a woman saying what that was debunked. It was an audio matrix, and oh. I did put up the file so you can hear it. And it actually sounds like when someone locks their door using their their remote key fob that kind of chirping sound it was that. right mm-hmm. it was that but at 326 we've got the anomalies and everything listed and we made a video for you um in general we we talked about the emf spikes when it, to sit on the couch or if we were going to leave we did and this is through the eddie plus i have the geophone spikes in there so that's the vibrational footstep type thing um i did not see those spikes while we were recording it was when we reviewed the data the minute by minute data we did get some air pressure but there there were some temperature changes but when you think more people come in a room it'll warm up Um, Mm -hmm. that's true as the building cools it'll get colder that can trigger air pressure changes so you know question mark on that one that i got tapped and the other thing was before i got tapped Tammy Lynn reported shadow figures. So I was walking back and forth in front of the window because from where we were, we were on an outward facing window and I think it looked over the shell station. So that would have been along Bailey Avenue. And then, um, so I'm thinking since I'm there cars driving by with the headlights, but we were trying to replicate it, um, with the outside light and you didn't get the shadow figure. Interesting. Um, let's see. So those were the, Big things. And then the client came up and we were talking about, you know, the history of who lived in the building. And we got the name Mrs. Kim, who was a longtime manager there. She passed away probably seven years ago. And it turned out, though they've remodeled, behind the front desk, there used to be the apartment where the Kims lived. Uh-huh. So it was like a kitchen, a bedroom, bathroom, stuff like that. So then we moved down there to run an EVP session and gather more data. Um, and I, I didn't get anything on my stuff, so I don't. Well, uh, my it gadgets. was interesting when, when um, Ross and I joined you up in 326. Um, 
when we we started the and the clients also joined us and we started talking about Mrs. Kim it was really interesting how the K2 meter every time we mentioned her or anything about her it really shot up to the red mm-hmm. several times um and it, you know you have to look at K2 meters aren't the most reliable things um so you kind of have to really look at the um you know, see if there's any pattern to it, if it's going off, make sure there's no cell phones even close to it. Sometimes even airplane mode. I, I don't know. I, I Sometimes I don't trust airplane mode. I don't trust airplane mode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Things like that. You just got to make sure that any other electronic, um, you know, any other electronics are not close to it just to make sure. So, mm-hmm. um, but it was really interesting. It was, it was almost like it was giving us direct responses, like something was over there, you know. But when we went downstairs, we didn't get anything. No, not at all. So that's that was kind of fascinating. Yeah, and we were trying to stream music from the time frame as well. It's just if it would be Mrs. Kim, I mean, she was there in the 90s and 2000s, and that ragtime period was well before her birth. Exactly. So. You know, unless she just enjoyed listening to it. True. But, you know, I don't know. You true, know, true, true. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. People look at my taste in music and they'll be like, okay. You know? I know. I mean, my taste in music is, well, I still listen to stuff now, but if you look at my catalog, it's going to be all gangsta rap from the 90s <laughs> and grunge. <laughs> yes. And mine's opera to grunge to <laughs> rap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. To, you know, Barry Manilow. So, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, we, we still have some evidence to go through. I've yes, wrapped, I'm I've wrapped done mine. mine. I'm yeah. almost done with mine. I've gone through the body cam that uh, Tammy was wearing. And mm-hmm. sadly, I didn't, you know, I, I thought the sound was kind of good on it, but I didn't pick up a lot of the things that were, you know, was on the video. So, yeah, the video, well, the, the camera I used has an industrial strength broadcast. Mic. Yes. Yes. So, so that was awesome. So that was a good one. The, the body cam, and I've got a review of the bodies, the patrol master. Mm-hmm. I did a review of that one. And my biggest gripe there was the audio. I didn't think it was horrible. Audio, it's not, but it, it's definitely not it's a better, zoom. <laughs> it's better than um, the little fly 360 camera yeah. mm-hmm. that I have. The audio is horrible on that thing. Yeah. Yep, yep, so I yep. don't know what, and there's not even a plug on it to plug any, or maybe there is, and I've just missed it, um, to plug a microphone in it. Yeah, no, they don't. Uh, those mics are, aren't, because they're for police, really. So they're not made for anything to alter its original recording. Yeah. So even if you want to delete files and stuff, you got to plug it into your computer to remove stuff, and you can't just uh, fiddle with it. You know, it's made right. for recording police encounters. So, um, well, like I said, the 360 one is is a lot worse. Yeah, for <clears> sure. Fly. Yeah. So, so camcorders. I'm sort of disappointed in it. Yeah, yeah. Our, that's why I got the external mics because camcorders are so awful. Mm-hmm. But um, that's a little off track. That's okay. Yes. But you know, I what's next for the Georgetown Inn? I mean, Seattle reopens on June 15th, which is. We're recording this on June 13th. So um, do we have any follow-ups from the client for this one? Not yet. Um, we don't. But uh, hopefully, you know, they said in the future they would like to have us back um, again. But uh, right now they're they're getting ready to reopen again. So, you know, they just got really busy. So, Okay. Well, June, if someone wants to come ghost hunting with us and the ghost team... What should they do? 
Well, I think the easiest thing to do is just go to our website and click on one of the contact forms. And I usually get all the contact forms, so I will be the one answering you. So anytime. Great. Oh, that is a ghost.org. A-G-H-O-S-T dot O-R-G. And I'll drop a link for that in the show notes as well. Um, so with that, gentle listener, I will bid you adieu. 